Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith. What's that noise? That's what I was trying to figure out. I was what like, is that noise? I was like, is it a humming? <laughs> I was like, is it this? It's is somebody's it stupid leaf blower. Yep. Leaf blowers. What the heck? What's wrong with a good old rake? Uh, listen, if, if you're a professional, you can have a leaf blower. If you're not a professional, if you're not making money on it, you're not allowed. You should be. Do you have a rake have, or a leaf blower? Uh, first of all, none of your business. <laughs> Second, no, I, I, I have a rake. I have one old rusty rake. Wow. Yeah. I'm fine. actually surprised because yeah. you have a big, you got a yard. I have an expansive, yeah. you know, estate. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and mm-hmm. so, and so, yes, I just um, have my boys do it. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Do they share the they one? They share the rake. <laughs> yeah. So somebody's out there blowing leaves. It's fine. It's I'm the way it goes. What are you going to do? What are you uh, gonna do? Man, we're back in our building. I love it. People are loving it. It looks good. It feels good. You can hear that congregation sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had baptisms today. That was fun. Oh, I always love when there's baptisms. Yeah, man. Good times. You know, mm-hmm. it was a good day. It was a lot going on. I was sharing with Jimmy, like, uh, like behind the scenes. Like, it's one of those days where there's a lot of little things that are going wrong, or things are un- unexpected, and they're all little things that most people wouldn't have any notice of. They wouldn't notice. Them. No, they wouldn't get it. It's just like you know, like. But like I'll notice them, Deb will notice them, or the the sound guy will notice them, or whatever it is, right? It's just a, a lot of little things, and uh, and then here's a little honesty time for everybody. So I we have two services. So I preached a sermon, mm-hmm. uh, first mm-hmm. service, preached that sec- that sermon, second service. Now after the end of first now, service, and I hope it's okay. I yeah. told AV to go ahead and put up the first. Yeah, I know you didn't because I would burn this, put this cigar out in your eyeball <laughs> if you did, because that first service. So that first sermon was just a dud. It just wasn't. Again, I have it's the same notes. It's the same prep, but my delivery of it, it just you know, I just didn't feel like it was very clear or compelling the way that yeah. I presented it. The content's fine. Um, and so second service felt like I was more communicative. It felt better. Um, but yeah, that's like a you know, you know, I basically I feel like if I do. If I do my best, I give myself a C plus. If I if I feel like oh, I did yeah, my yeah. best, that's what yeah, I, I yeah, give yeah. myself a C plus. Um, but that first service was it was uh like I didn't even show up for the test. It's not an mm-hmm. F. It's like you didn't even show. You don't get thirty percent. You get zero percent. That's how I felt. And then second service, yeah, I got myself a C plus. There you go. All right. All right. About it. All right. There we go. Hmm. So um, the other thing um, I was looking. So we, we got a new dig. So like things look better. Yep. Yep. And so I was thinking we need a pulpit. Oh, I, I saw that. I saw your tweet. Oh, you did? I did you did. see the responses? I saw the responses. Lots, lots, of, responses. Of, them, lots of them. And some Honestly, funny ones. Some funny ones. I thought the one Alistair Beggs was the best. Personally, I love that one. Oh, yeah. There are some in there that I really, really like. But um, at the same time, like we only we have a very narrow spot to put a pulpit. Like We can't put well, a lot of the pulpits that you and I might like. Well, and you're not a pulpit guy. So it needs yeah, to be something that can be... Mobile. Eas- yes, yeah. easily moved in, easily moved out. Here's the thing. I know people, you need a preacher's desk like Spurgeon. Hey, guys, when I'm preaching, I'm not studying. I already got the study done. Don't need a preacher's yep. desk. I need my Bible. That's right. So why do I need a preacher's desk? Okay. Uh, they're like, well, you know, I don't need to hide behind it. Like, I'm not nervous about it. That's like, right. Like, I just want to go. Now, if we had a big space and something for a like a permanent pulpit, that'd be fine. But I still would rather just walk away from it and just hold oh, my Bible. Exactly. I just feel more comfortable yeah. doing it that way. Yeah, but we need it for everybody else. I agree. Because most people need want to set their notes down. Yeah. Yeah. And for some, you know, functions and things, you you need it, right? It's really good to have that if you're doing a, whether it's a members meeting or uh, some sort of ceremony, or if you're doing conferences. Like, if listen, we're doing conferences. I have notes. 
Yeah, you got, gotta have it. And gotta then have I gotta, it. you know. Gotta I just preached it. it down in uh, Ferguson for Plant, uh, yeah, Plant St. Pl- Louis. Plant Midwest. Yeah, Plant Midwest. But it's it's coming to an end. It's just going to be focusing on St. Louis. Oh. And um, so we were down in Ferguson. It was a great time, super good time. And uh, and uh, yeah, I had notes. I needed That's right. That, and you I told have them those notes. And you know what they had? What's that? They had the table. I hate this. They don't have a pulpit. They don't have a lectern. They have a table, like a high top at a bar. Like the circle one? The circle, oh, it's flat. I don't like those. Oh, no, because I can't see my notes. It, and, and I don't have a stool to sit on to see them. Like, I, it's too I was tall. about to say, there's no, nothing it's for you to tall. kind of put up there. That's why I'm like, hey, I was like, hey man, uh, I need you to go and, and get one of them uh, music stands and put it up there because I can't. I can't do I'm this. I'm not going to work. I, you know who I am? Joe you, freaking Thor. Exactly. Get me my pulpit. Get me a booster seat, please. <laughs> How dare you? Anyway. All right. Well, listen, man, we got an email. Oh, yeah. Uh, from J-Rod. Here we go. J-Rod. Said, a very informal email, by the way, J-Rod. Ready? Yeah. Y'all mentioned discipleship being the mission of the church. What does discipleship look like in the local church? Who should be doing it? What guards, if any, should be in place? Does Ephesians 4.11 come into it? Hey. Thanks. Good question. Very mm. informal brief. I like that. Succinct. Yep. yep. Brief. Uh, not even, y'all is a contraction of you all. He doesn't even have the apostrophe in there. He's like, I ain't, he got, got, time. I ain't got time for I this. Mean, I'm busy. I'm making disciples. <laughs> fulfilling the mission of the church. That's right. That's, That's right. That's what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, we did mention that, uh, discipleship is the mission of the church because, um, why did we mention that Jimmy? Uh, because it's the mission of the oh, church. Oh, that's why. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, Jesus said, so, uh, scripture makes it pretty clear. Paul makes it pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're just messing with you, man. Um, so yeah, we do believe that. In fact, this is a large part of what I talked about at, you know, plant Midwest, um, was that the mission of the church, you know, we conceive of it more narrowly than others. Uh, some people have a very broad definition of what the mission of the church yep. is. Ours is more narrow. Um, but we would say that it's the narrow definition of the of the mission of the church that allows us to have the emphasis and focus that we need that Jesus calls us to, and that mission then supports the other things that we do. It feeds into those other things that are not a part of the mission, but they are a part of the life of the church. That's they right. are a part of what we do. They can be part of the outworking of yeah, that mission. Absolutely, absolutely. Bada boom. Bada boom. All right. So what does discipleship look like in the local church? And I think the reason he probably asks this is because it's common in like uh, in Baptist circles, especially when you talk about discipleship, you don't talk about discipleship. You can't talk about discipleship unless there is a program. You've got to have some program that you appeal to. Like, this is how we make disciples. We use the master there's a, there's some master thing that used to used to. Of course, Southern we Baptists go, we, would would title it master. Yeah, like we're gonna teach you ignorant people. So listen to your masters, you know, Southern Baptists. <laughs> or I, I, I've, other churches would have like the Alpha program. Yep, the Alpha program. That's their discipleship strategy. Discipleship strategy. Yeah. You just yeah. glossed over my joke about the racist joke about Southern Baptists using master as the discipleship. Uh, you know what? See, I, I that's just it between you, us. You were I'm so not... busy focusing on what you wanted to say. You weren't listening to what I, I don't feel like you're here for me. <laughs> I feel like you're here for you. <laughs> well, you know what, Joe? Sometimes I, the, sometimes it's just juvenile and I, I don't have time for that. You're too mature for my, um, for too, my jokes. No, no, no. I'm too mature. I'm sorry. You're too mature. I'm too mature. For my frivolity. Mm, mm, yes. For my Indu- immaturity. Indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> So like alpha and like, listen, we don't have to get into whether or not alpha is good or not, but lots of churches use lots of churches use that program or even even like the Sunday school model, the before the service, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, time of teaching for discipleship. Yeah. Making. And that's like, listen, that is one of the ways that people say, well, we're going to make disciples through a Sunday school model or through a 
small group or missional community model. Mm -hmm. All of these are fine ways of beginning to work through what does it look like? Because making a disciple... I mean, what is a disciple, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a follower of Jesus. But, you know, I would appeal to, let me bring it up. I would appeal to Colossians uh, 1, 28 and 29. Uh, these are really the verses that called me into ministry or that God used to call me into ministry. While you're looking that up. I got it. Go <clears> ahead. <throat> what are you smoking there? You're making fun of it. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's ugly. It's not a bad cigar. No, yeah, no, I, I know the brand. Uh, yeah, Placenta. Yeah, no, no. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a great, <laughs> it's called Placenta. The Placencia. <laughs> It's Spanish for placenta. <laughs> it, it, it is a fuerte. <laughs> it's good. I like it. Yeah, it's good. No, I don't like it because it's it's got like eight sides to it. It's but, it's a box press, but it's octagonal. But like I, I, I like being how I'm able to hold it at any like. Oh, I know because if it was round, you wouldn't be able to hold no, it that no, way. No, I would not I mean, be able to just pop right out of your fingers. It would. It would. It's yeah. good. I like, like it. round on round. <laughs> <laughs> I like that rat song, round and anyway. Uh, what we're talking about? Oh yeah, Colossians, Colossians. twenty eight and twenty nine. Uh, him speaking of Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature, or as Jimmy likes to say, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. That's the end game, right? So it's, again, mission of the church is to make disciples. This was Paul's mission, right, to make disciples. But the way he talks about it is presenting every follower of Christ mature. That's the yes. end goal. Yeah. So to, if if making disciples is the goal, it's not making a convert. That's a part of the process, right? We want to see somebody come to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then we want to see them grow in faith, grow in godliness, and become a mature follower who understands their giftings, their callings, and they're bearing fruit in the Christian life and making disciples themselves. But I think a, a way of looking at that, just because I, I don't want to gloss over that, you know, is the idea of, of evangelism mm -hmm. is assumed in our mission for discipleship. Yeah. Right? Like it's assumed uh, when we're talking about making disciples that we already are evangelizing that we are reaching out, that we are um, proclaiming the gospel to our communities, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our family. Uh, and part of that then, it, it feeds into, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not just proclaiming the gospel and then being almost one and done, yeah. but you're helping that person then move along in that process. Yeah. And it's, and it's again, it's not even about you, just your like we, yep. we have to have this outward orientation. So like you can be a disciple and be a bad disciple in certain ways. And we all are in one way or another. I know, but I was just talking, um, I was, we had a deacons meeting and I was teaching them about what it means to be a Baptist. Right. So mm -hmm. like we should all know here was what it means to be a Baptist. We're walking through that. And, uh, I said, listen, uh, you, you, you'll find churches that like, oh, wow, they are Baptists. They're just not very good at it because they're missing this particular component. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're not Baptist, but mm, they're not really healthy. And as disciples, it's possible for us to, if we leave off evangelism for whatever reason, we're not really being effective Correct. disciples or disciple makers. That's gotta be a yep. part of it. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So we have this big picture. Like we want people to be a certain kind of way. So then the discipleship is how do we actually get them there? How do we move people from non-believer to new believer to growing believer to mature believer? What's the process, right, of making disciples? What does it look like? What does it look like in the local church? Who should be doing it? All right. Oh. Who should be doing it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, everyone. Everybody does it. Everyone. Right? Everybody, Every of the one. All of the ones. That's, yeah, that's a bit, yeah. So uh, now, of course, the, the, that this doesn't mean that we're, there's a, I don't, Jimmy and I do not believe that you should flatten out the congregation as if there are no elders or deacons, right? There are. We have leaders. We have teachers that yep. are meant to be yep. doing those things. And so in a formal sense, everyone is not a minister. In a formal sense, 
elders are ministers or deacons are ministers in it. But in, a, in an informal sense, we're all ministers. We're all ministering to one another. Uh, formally, we're not all preachers, but informally, we are all preachers and proclaimers of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Formally, we are not all missionaries. Informally, it's fine to think of ourselves as missionaries, as long as you understand that there are some differences. But absolutely, everybody plays a role in making disciples, whether that's you discipling your children, mutually discipling your friends together, uh, or in a formal capacity, teaching a class mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, you know leading a seminar or whatever it is. There's lots of things that can be done. But So I would say, yeah, I think it's good to say, uh, who, who should be doing it? You said everybody, and, and I know what you mean. I'm, I'm just going to clarify. Jimmy means everyone in the church yeah it's got it's like discipleship can't happen outside of the local church you can have some mutual encouragement Mm -hmm. Uh, you can do some things outside of the church uh but if you're not connected to a local church proper discipleship can't happen because you can't have the necessary components of the christian life apart from the local church correct like you in the local church we have you know the proclaiming of uh of the sitting under the teaching of God's word, right? Mm-hmm. We have being able to be mutually edified in groups together, yep. you know, as we're studying God's word, we have being able to, as members of the church, uh, hold each other accountable. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And to encourage and edify one another and to rebuke when one goes outside the bounds. Yeah. Like, listen, discipline is a part of the, and it's important, like making disciples, you can't make disciples without discipline. Mm-hmm. So there's the formative discipline and the reformative discipline. Right? Yep. The formative discipline, the ongoing regular instruction that comes through the ministry of the word. And then that, that also that reformative when like you've got to get rebuked and sometimes you got to come under the care of the church because you've really gone off the rails until things can be made right. Yeah. Yep. So you you got to do that. So we would say who should be doing it? Local church, all of us in the local church. It's not just the job of pastors. We all play a role that though they are varied. And um, what guards, if any, should be put in place? I think that's a really good question. That's a really, really good question because oftentimes I think the tendency is to almost like no holds barred. We're all priests. Like, you know, we're all priests and we're part of this priesthood and all of us should be able to do what we want, when we want, at any time that we want. It's like we either shut it down and nobody's doing anything except the the main preacher or... It's a free for all. It's a free for all. (laughs) No, no. I mean, there has to be some structure. There has to be some accountability. I mean, that's why, you know, our, for us in our discipleship model, we, we really place a high value on community groups and those community groups are led by individuals that are qualified. They, they have gone through, we've, they've been assessed um, and what they're teaching is you know typically all the groups are going you know we go through the sermons throughout the week but sometimes they'll take a break from that and do another study yeah but they let us know what that study is yeah they they, they get permission correct because we we're elders are responsible yep elders are ultimately responsible for protecting the church from false doctrine mm-hmm. we're supposed to be de- devoted to the ministry of the word so yeah yeah i mean i think that the safeguards that you put in place, number one, you have to have uh, confessional safeguards. I think that's really important. I like right? that. I like so, that. So like whether your church uses the Second London, the Westminster, uh, the Abstract of Principles, the New Hampshire, but you have to have some sort of confessional standard. Maybe it's a statement of faith that you wrote up yourself. You have to have some sort of statement or confession that guards the congregation. And so all discipleship instruction has to be in accordance with that, not contrary to it. You got to, you got to protect your people. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I think you have to have what Jimmy was referring to as well. Uh, those, uh, you know, people that are going to be teaching or leading in any official capacity have to be vetted and trained. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, some people need less training, uh, but everybody needs to be vetted. Yes. Everybody has to be like, oh, listen, that means background check. Yep. You can't play today, guys. Because <laughs> you see what happened? Yep. See what happened for the last number of you know decades when, we, when we're playing games and we're not vetting? That's right. Yeah. Bad things happen. Horrible things happen, right? Because sometimes the most gifted people are the grossest people. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the time. But so along with that, like you, you said, right, the vetted, the training, but then there still needs to be ongoing check-ins. Oh, yeah. Right. It, it, it's not just, hey, they're off. They're, they're off to the races on their own. Right. Uh, there is still check-ins, seeing yeah. how things are going. How are you doing? How's the family doing? You know, what what's happening in these discipleship groups? What's happening in your community groups? Um, how can we be encouraging you? Right. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing uh, in your discipleship groups or in your community groups that uh, maybe are a, a red flag or something that the the elders should be aware of? Um, how could we be supporting you in this? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, again, there of, of course there has to be safeguards because the people are worth guarding. Yeah. The church is worth keeping safe. We can't just let things happen. And we've all probably been in churches, and I've been a pastor in a church where I just let things happen because, like, well, people want it to happen. Well, we'll just let it happen. I mean, why not? And it wound up changing the, the vision and the direction of the church, and it was a detriment. Mm. Like, that's not a redeemer, but uh, that's happened. So, um, that, and that's what happens when you let family integrated. I'm just teasing. I'm just, oh, I'm half, no. I'm half joking. No, just half, stop right there. Half joking, half totally deadly serious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a whole debate. Maybe we'll do a, a, a thing on Ephesians 4.11. There's some debate over what it actually means mm. that, um, like here, let me just uh, scroll down. Uh, verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. He gave apostles, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all may attain to the unity of the faith uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We should probably, uh, by the way, to mature manhood, right? So again, mm. that's the, that's the mm -hmm. end goal. Mm -hmm. um, there are some people that read this who say like, ah, okay. My job is not to do ministry. My job is to equip you all to do ministry. That's what a lot, like, that's a popular thing that pastors say. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard to, that. All right. Uh, and that's not the thing. No. Okay. Uh, but then on the other hand, there are people that say, like, well, no, no, no. This, uh, listen, th th we, uh, we do the ministry. Uh, we're, we're equipping them to do, like, you know, kind of some stuff uh, in their personal private lives. Um, and so what we, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a whole section on this. Maybe we'll do this next week. We'll do this next week. Okay. All we'll right. talk about it. We'll talk about Ephesians four in depth. Um, maybe we'll bring somebody on to talk about it with us. That could be fun. Uh, if they can, if they can meet us, they got They got to be able to call in when we're chopping this up. Together. Yep. So, um, but clearly you, you can't get away from seeing that God has put authority in place. Oh, we have apostles and prophets. Oh, we, we have, we have elders and teachers. We have these things. So those, the, and part of our job, yes, is to um, teach and preach and, and, and raise people up to maturity. Uh, but we do think that the entire congregation plays a role. That role is varied and it differs uh, mm. from church to church and method to method. I will say this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about discipleship lately. And uh, there are two things that I'm feeling more significantly now than in the past. All right, what are those two? One, 
um, I, I've frequently heard people say like, oh, we treat discipleship as if it's just teaching and instruction. That's why the Sunday school model was so broken because it focuses on instruction and teaching and doctrine uh, and not relationships. And, you know, the, the, you don't make disciples merely by teaching. And there was such like an overcorrection of that, right? Where I think people moved away from the, the good things that happen through a teaching emphasis in discipleship. Um, and so people move to small groups because it's it's kind of hard to go from, oh, we have a Sunday school model, but we want to do small groups too. It's kind of hard to do both. As a general mm. rule, transitioning and maintaining both is pretty hard. So when we started Redeemer, we really wanted to have small groups. And, and there was there biblical and philosophical reasons for this and also experiential reasons. Um, but I can feel now, 15 years in, I can feel the absence of Sunday school because mm. there is, there mm. would be more instruction, more teaching, uh, more doctrinal clarity. If we had Sunday school mm. now, I'm not saying like, Oh, so we need to get rid of small groups. No, and go no, back no, to Sunday no, school. no. But it's like, I can, I can feel that. I can see like, okay, there really is great, great, significant equal value to the Sunday school model as there is to the small group model. But you're just, you're, you're likely to give way to, to one thing more than the other. So in the, in the small group model, you're you're generally going to have less intense teaching time, but you're going to have more relationships built, uh, more time together, and there's still going to be teaching time. In the Sunday school model, it's going to be less of the relationship because it's more of a school classroom format. So less of that, still some of that, and more on the teaching. And I do think there probably is a way to do both. I think the problem is, is transitioning from one to the other is, I think transitioning from Sunday school in an established church to a uh, a small group model and maintaining both is generally impossible. It usually mm. doesn't work. Mm. Um, but I, I think that you could find ways to transition from what we have to offer some classes available. The rub then comes with, you know, that makes it difficult are things like childcare. Yeah. 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 And when to do it. Yeah. Wait, is it Sunday morning? Is it Sunday morning before two services? Yep. It, you know, is it, is it in between the two services? Right. Is it on a Wednesday evening? There's like, it, it, there's no easy answer, right? Because making disciples is crazy hard. Mm -hmm. It's actually, it's beyond our ability. We can't do it, mm -hmm. but we can do it with Jesus. He empowers us. He's with us and he's given us, uh, you know, the means of grace. So that's how we do it. The way that we do it. I mean, if, if we do talking big picture, um, we talk about table, pulpit and square. Yeah, now we can, we can end with this table, pulpit and square. These are the three environments in which uh, all discipleship happens. So we don't rely on one program or we don't rely on small groups as yeah. the means by which we make disciples. We look at it like this. So there's one environment that we call the table. These are our smaller gatherings. This is everything from fellowship and hospitality in people's homes to our, to our small groups, uh, women's ministries, discipleship ministries, groups, discipleship groups, all of the smaller gatherings that happen that tend to be more inwardly focused, meaning we're edifying one another, building one another up. Uh, we're praying together. The emphasis here is building gospel centered community or Christian community where we are sharpening one another. Right. So that's th that that's one of the environments in which discipleship happens. So it can happen in a bunch of different ways, but that's one environment. Hmm. Another environment that we put in the middle, right? We call that the pulpit. And we call it the pulpit not because the preacher is the most important thing, but because the word is the most important thing in worship. And it's the preaching, the singing, the praying, the reading of the word. 
And so when we talk about this environment of the pulpit, this is our large gathering on the Lord's Day. When we sit under the word, we receive the sacrament, uh, we sing songs together, we confess one Lord, one faith together. So discipleship very much happens on Sunday in the service. If you don't have that as a part of your discipleship model, you're missing out on the most central aspect of discipleship because this is the most important gathering of any Mm. day of our week uh, as Christians. The Sunday morning gathering is essential. Um, so we've got those the smaller environment we call the table, the, the the larger environment called the pulpit, and then we have the square. And this is just the the presence of the church in the world, um, individually and institutionally. And so we basically, and to, to, to summarize it, we would say there are a, a multiple ways in which the church is actively involved in the world, uh, whether that's through preaching the gospel and doing evangelism, or through ministries of mercy and serving those who are at need. The ways in which the church is planting churches and supporting missions, right? So all of these are different ways and many others in which the church is active in the world. So that's another environment. We make disciples in the environment of the table, in the environment of the pulpit, and in the environment of the square. Gathered in homes, gathered together for corporate worship, Mm. sent out into the world. Discipleship happens in all of that. And there is a lot of flexibility and a lot of creativity that uh, God allows us to use to put together a process by which we do these things. But I think we need to agree on what discipleship is, what the mission of the church is. I guess backwards, right? What the mission of the church is, what discipleship is, uh, and what are the essentials that need to be in there, which is not just indoctrination. you got to have relationships. Yeah. But there has to be indoctrination. Otherwise, a relationship is not a Christian one. No, it's just a friendship. It's just a worldly friendship, yeah. right? Those are nice. Which is fine, which is yeah, good. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, but that's not what discipleship is about, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Discipleship is about Christians coming together, growing together, mm. encouraging one another. And and as we're all going through, you know, this process of sanctification, yeah. right? Each and every single one of us. Yeah, we need it. I need it. I mean, goodness. Um, if it weren't for Christians uh, investing in me. I would be in trouble. I'll tell you this. I was a brand new Christian. I was going to every Bible study I could find. Mm. Every Bible study I could find. And I found one guy, youth pastor. His name is Tim Jeffreyon. He's still around in some other state now. But he was a youth pastor at a small Baptist church in Batavia. And I would go, because I knew one of the kids that went to this small, like yeah. four, four to six group people, youth group. Even though I wasn't in high school anymore. That's where I would go. So I would show up and that dude would talk to me reasonably, biblically, theologically about all the questions I had. It made a huge impact like he wanted me to grow as a disciple and I love him forever for that. Mm. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram, Twitter at doc and Devo or on Facebook slash doctrine and devotion. You can head to the website, doctrineanddevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast of the store, joefostore.com and grab some gear. we got the first part of everyone in Thursday. we got blog posts and video content over the website and we've got that all access exclusive content. we got banter truth on Tuesdays. we got weekday wisdom Monday through Thursday. Friday. You can sign up by heading on over to doctrineanddevotion.com slash all access or right there in your podcast player by clicking the link. Support this podcast. Later. Later.